Welcome back to another episode of Peace Off with Will and Taco, brought to you by FantasySkiRacer.com, Shred Optics, and Slytech Protection. I'm nervous, man. This is a very exciting uh, episode um, because we have our guest in the studio. This is the only second time we've done this, and uh, I must say, I feel totally alive. Guest, can you please introduce yourself? Um, it is an honor and a privilege to be here in Sun Valley in this beautiful studio of yours. This is Warner Nickerson here. Third person, I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> Warner, how you doing, buddy? What are you doing in Sun Valley? Mm, mm. Well, frankly, Sun Valley is one of the most magical places that I've ever been to. In any opportunity that I get to come here, I come. Um, the first time I came here, uh, I went to a wedding and had like the most... In- insane weekend of my life like epic skiing epic partying and then after i'm like i can never go back because it'll never be that good and every time i come here the skiing is so good and it's so fun to see awesome people Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm just here kind of on sabbatical a little bit right now (laughs) all right that's you know for the record that's that's our life that's every day you know it's i hate you guys (laughs) not okay (laughs) So have you been watching much of the World Cup this season? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've been so I, I haven't. I've been watching as much as I can. Um, this year has been a little bit harder, um, seeing as how my mom no longer has uh, is no longer signed up for like NBC extra live stream or whatever it is. So I've been like stealing people's passwords and watching. <laughs> That's that's a very candid uh, comment. My mom, my mom doesn't have this cable package anymore. <laughs> I mean, I relate to you. I, re- I totally relate to you. I just don't know if I would uh, come out and say that. <laughs> it's tough living at home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what do you what do you thought of this World Cup season? What's your thoughts uh, on performances and skiing so far? Um, there has been some like Christofferson. My God. His skiing has been so good. His arc is so tight. He gives himself so much room. It's like it's like a joke. Like mm-hmm. watching him, it's like, oh well, whatever. I do what I want. First run and second run, I'm probably gonna win and murder everyone. Yeah. Um, I've been really, really impressed with his skiing. Um, I've been really, really impressed with Axel coming back. I've been really impressed with Lindsay. Michaela was absolutely magical at the beginning of the season. Um, so it's been really fun to watch. And actually, I was over in Kitzbühel. Um, this year, I went down there and ripped around in the mothership. Nice, sweet. <laughs> That's my van. For those of you that don't know, I'm pretty sure the ski world is very in touch with the mothership. <laughs> if, if you weren't on the map before, you definitely were. Uh, once once the mothership uh, get, was birthed, yeah. <laughs> How's she doing? What's what's going? On? Where does she live when she's uh, parked? <laughs> Usually, she lives in Innsbruck. Um, I've got this awesome mechanic that pretty much saves me because the mothership is getting a bit older. Um, it needs constant love and attention, <laughs> and I just can't give it that much. Do you rent it out throughout the winter? Yeah, so I rented it out this year to, to Whitney Gardner, who's uh, crushing ski, ski cross, um, and it's been sweet. So I, she's having a ton of fun with it, and 
I see oh, yeah. in like Instagrams and Snapchat stories, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what we're talking about. Does it still have you and your logo on the side of it while she's driving around? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She talked about putting new stickers on, which I was like, oh yeah, maybe we could work something out there. Um, I, I wonder that if, didn't happen. I wonder if like there's like uh, if there's any like tablo- like European tabloids coming out at the beginning of the of the winter going. Warner Nickerson's now racing ski cross. <laughs> I, I doubt it. So you said yeah. you're, well, one, one can only hope. Yeah, totally. So you said you're at Kitzbühel. Uh, what, yeah. What? How, tell me about that experience. I mean, from over here, watching they, the race. They ask you to forerun? Yeah, they ask you. <laughs> watching the race, um, it, it, I, it was a bummer kind of to, for us, dude, I thought. I, I, I had to leave. Uh, I was in the finish. I was watching. Um, and a little bit before Axel went, I'm just like, this isn't fun for me. Um, so I I left the finish area, you know, I mean, look, your friends are going down this thing and getting hurt and like, part of me feels like it's kind of like criminal, like sending them when we knew that if you had a certain line, there was a really good chance you were going to go into the fence. Um, so I, I, it wasn't fun. It was not fun to watch. So it was kind of emotional too, huh? Oh, very emotional. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, right. you know, you, you see these guys getting airlifted out, you know, we saw Scotty Mack, we saw like all these things in the past and I've never been to Kitsfield before. Um, and I was all fired up to go watch and then here I am and it, it, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't good. It's, it's not good for ski racing, dude. Mm-hmm. Like losing Axel, it's awful. Right, I mean, the biggest faces going out is kind of, you know, we talked about it with Phil, it's kind of detrimental to the sport. I mean, it's it's like, for what, right now, I mean, it's great that, thank God Lindsay's crushing this season because right now on the women's side, you got a lot of big names and, and it's going to just take time for these new new faces to grow their resumes for, to get more attention there. But if you, these staples names that are there that everybody knows, once they're gone, it's kind of like, well... Well, you know, it, all right. And it, we had this when, when Bodie was hurt a couple of years ago. And like when you watch a big race and, you know, these kind of the heroes of the sport aren't there, it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like it's tough. It's not good for the sport. Um, it was really disappointing. Um, you know, it's just like for me, it was super sad. And um, yeah, I, I feel really bad for Axel. Um, what do you think the Fist can do? If if the same circumstances were going to happen again, you know, in the future, what can Fist do? What can the organizers do to better protect the athletes in in situations like that? So so look, it's a tough situation because those guys, uh, the people putting on the race. I mean, Fist, like there's thousand, you know, like forty thousand people there or something. Yeah. Um, and everyone wants to see a race. Um, so there's so many different pressures going on and the athletes really want to perform. I mean, you can't, you can't put it on their shoulders to decide whether or not it's worth going. Um, I feel like what would be really neat is to get some former athletes, um, like Koosh and Darren, um, guys that were, that know that track, um, and to have them kind of be part of the decision-making process where they could put a veto in. Right. Um, something, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's tough to see, um, athletes kind of marginalized and you, you want to see the athletes better represented inside the governing body there a little bit. Totally. Yeah. What, what, um, 
was the feeling of other fans after the race was were people like wow that was awesome or were people like <laughs> wow. well that wasn't very sweet you you got a lot of drunk austrians yeah uh, who are yeah. having an awesome time. Yes, I don't understand <laughs> I'm, that. I'm willing to bet half the people didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I'd say, like, with the, the it was, the crowd was was pretty cautious during it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everyone was watching what was happening um, for the most part, other than a few really drunk Austrians. <laughs> um, Just a few. But no, like, the, the fans were good. Um I, I think everyone was on the same page. Really? Yeah, cool. I, I really do. I mean, it was like very silent at times, and you know, everyone was fired up when people were ripping. But you know, it was a it was a cautious crowd. Yeah, interesting. Did you go back for the slalom the next day? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh heck yeah. How that's a gnarly slalom, huh? Yeah. So actually, I went down there with my girlfriend, um, and we were staying in the mothership. Yep. Right in the parking lot there. <laughs> the honeymoon suite. Oh my god, it was totally magical. Um, but it turns out, like, there's no showers nearby, you know? Yeah. So, like, my girlfriend Lynn was not, was like not super impressed with me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a lot of drunk people around that parking lot. Yeah. So I was really lucky that uh, my buddy Ewan Olsen was there. And he he had like a bunch of credentials and a free place to stay from Audi. And he left on Saturday, so we went and moved into his room up at uh, La Rosa, or, or E. Rose, Rosa, yeah. I forget what it is, someplace. So we moved up there, and my girlfriend was so psyched. <laughs> it was perfect. We got to shower and everything. Of, of, of course, Warner finds the best situation. Yeah. <laughs> the whole town's booked out. He's getting this. I, I bet it wasn't a like dive of a room at all. Oh, it was, it was a perfect room. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, so, like, Yoon had this massive packet, and he's like, yeah, you can take that and do whatever you want with it. Um, and I'm going through it, and it has credentials for everything, seats for every event, credentials for, like, the kits race party at the bottom. Yeah. Um, these... You had tickets to that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the black tie event? Um, so I had tickets to the black tie event. I had them to every... I'm like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, my buddy, uh, Avica Kostelic, who was really unfortunate that his back was bad and couldn't race um, anything there, he was the one who gave me credentials. Yeah. Um, so... We had free lift tickets. It was a it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend <laughs> in that respect. But man, the food. Have you ever been into the Kits race? No, I, I have. I have. Um, you know, I've, I've blown out many first runs of slalom there, <laughs> and they kind of just let people in at that Sorry. time. So I have been to there. Uh, it is amazing. My wife went in there last year, and the, I have a couple of Kits Buell glasses. They have the race course on it, mugs, beer mugs. Do they expect of... people to steal those? No, I don't know. But, you know, it, Shannon and Mia did. So, Mia's yeah. Ted's wife. So, <laughs> we have them. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the little things. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you keep the souvenir glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's oh, too funny. But, no, that was that was really a big step in the right direction. So, what did you do after Kidsville? Um, then we skied the next day and then flew back up to Sweden. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm living in Sweden right now, uh, for the most part on sabbatical. Yeah. And, um, here for this month back East or not back East, but just in the U S kind of running around going to bachelor party, Rob Saunders wedding down in Costa Rica. Um, and then I might go heli skiing with Yoon and Verbier early next month. 
Where's the sign up for this? Sabbatical. Like, where dude. do you do? You, do you, hold on. You just. You I just, feel like I have a lot of friends. Do you around, just like my put, friends don't do like what? what? Like, do you? How do you? Ask do you have to questions? declare sabbatical for these things to happen? Oh like, is that what that needs? Like, if I just declared I'm on a sabbatical, these things will come together. Or? I'm pretty sure they just happen. Yeah, like it's one of those situations where you, um, yeah, I, I don't know. You just, just stop making plans and let the plans make. Totally. So, but but I've been doing quite a bit of planning to try to like nail the flights because that's my big expense these days. Yeah. Um. So I try not to spend too much money on flights, and the the earlier you book them, obviously, the better that is for at least going uh, over the pond there. Um. So I try to plan that one out, but no, it's been it's been a pretty fun (laughs) fun month so far. Sabbatical. (laughs) So you have a new job also as the uh, soon to be athlete rep for. The U.S. ski team. That's true. Um, I will. I will get a seat on the USA board of directors um, as the U.S. athlete rep come uh, the Congress in May. What's uh, what what's was, it entail? Yeah, you... what, what, yeah. What's that? Entail? So this is a really good question, and I'm still trying to figure this out. Um, so I've been reading some of the bylaws, reading um, up on some of the old minutes from other meetings, trying to like understand how it all works. Um, and it seems like with Tiger in there that we really have a voice, Mm -hmm. um, and talking to Charles Christensen about it. And so the way they do it is they have task force. So, so they have like a task force on all sorts of different things. So when somebody has an issue that they don't really understand and they want to get to the bottom of, um, you get on a task force and kind of work with a couple other board of directors. Uh, there's 21 on this board. There's also a foundation board, but so on the board I'm on, it's 21, um, and there's five athlete reps. So you have the Nordic, you know, the, the freestyle. So there's a number of different yeah. athlete reps. That makes sense. I'm really psyched. Um, on sabbatical, especially I have a lot of time to work on this. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, what's some of the big issues that you, you know, from the athlete's perspective want to take to the board? So, so for me, the first big one is is understanding I really want to understand where money is spent mm-hmm. um, because I think that's something that not just the athletes but everyone really wants to understand yeah. it's like let's dig into this budget um, and just I just want to understand um, and so I'm going to try not to be like too abrasive um, at the beginning but uh, I just really want to get into the budget and understand and I it's it's unbelievable that the athletes aren't funded, like that really upsets me. Um, so what I've been doing is I've been meeting with some of the some of the athletes, some kids people. I met with a number of them, and um, taking videos and listening to their perspective on mm-hmm. on this part. And I'm not going to put it on Facebook or anything like that. Like I'm just going to deliver it to the board. And one of the really interesting things is that is that we think about this a lot. Like fundraising sucks, and yes. You can do like the rally me thing once and after that it's like it's really tough to get the motivation to get people to get behind you and like all right I had and it's really tough with people who had had a had a good year then had a great year and still aren't funded. Yeah. And nothing changed. Um and so I was having a chat with with Goldberg and um he was really interesting. He's like, "Look, he's like, so at World Champs last year, he was in third after the first round of the combined." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like literally before I went out of the gate, I thought about what I should do. He's like, I can go and like hammer and try to get on the podium, which I think I can do, or I can like 
take a little bit back and and get to the finish and be top 15 and be on the 18 next year and not have to fundraise. That is a problem. Wow. That is a problem. That is some pretty big perspective. Yeah. I'm impressed that Goldberg thought of that too. No, I I mean, but see, this is the thing is that you make these decisions and uh and and you you don't understand the consequences. So my my job is to get the board to understand some of the consequences. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, you know, a number of athletes, you know, are are quitting and moving on to other things. It's like it, it, look, it's not that fun to be 30, 33 or 27 and living at home with not enough money to take your girlfriend out to dinner. Um, so these are things that really have to come up. Another big one that, that I'm thinking about is um, is injury stuff. Um, and I think, um, I don't know if, if you had this experience, but anytime you're injured, um, you're kind of like, you're put on the DL and nobody talks to you. Um, and it's painful. Like, so what I really want to do is whenever somebody gets hurt, uh, especially on ski team is find somebody that's had a similar injury and have them be the point person. So you check in once a week to try to like understand, like it'd be best if they had the same doctor. So it's like, Oh, what are you feeling in your knee right now? Like what's different? Like, like, like how can I help? Like, all right, so I'm feeling this. Oh yeah, that's totally normal. I felt that between three and, and five weeks. That's so interesting because you're you're dead on and anytime someone had a knee injury in the last couple of years with my teammates I was always I was always trying to email and talk to them as much as possible because I know how tough it is and 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 I know how lo- it's really lonely yeah <laughs> like yeah. You're, you're sitting there and, and you're, oh, this... a, you're not making that much money as a ski racer <laughs> yeah. and then and then you're on the sidelines watching every run race and you feel pretty forgotten and so, so this could be cool to be able to like kind of give more athletes uh, a little bit of like, hey, we care. What's going on? How you doing? And, and look, like every, like Ted's going to feel this way. Like everyone feels this. Like Lindsay, I talked to Lindsay about it. Lindsay felt this too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's tough, you know, because the the ski team, what, what they're good for is they're there when you're, when you're racing, when you're performing, when you're prepping. Um, and then when... I mean, another good example is look at Jules right now. Mm-hmm. Like, she's in Hawaii and doing a crowdfunding campaign. Like, she doesn't feel like she's loved at all. Mm-hmm. Well, they say that they'd love her. Not love her. They love her. But they'd say that they would su- support her being there, right? And so if she was in Park City rehabbing. No, right? totally. Right. Um, so because she doesn't want to rehab in Park City, she has to crowdfund. Correct? You know, I... But, but the, the point I'm trying to make here is that is that... Like she doesn't feel like she's like she, she's not feeling loved right now. Yeah, and it's people like that. It's all of us that when you get hurt, it's it's really lonely and it's scary and it's sad. Um, and to have someone else who's done, who's gone through it, because everyone, there's so many people that have gone through these things that could just kind of give a helping hand. And like the first time you blow out your knee, like it's it's really tough. Like when my my back injury was was bad, like it was poorly managed, and I ended up missing two seasons. I should end up only missing one. Um, and, like, I wish that rather than me just listening to a couple doctors that had, like, a short amount of time to talk to me, I had someone else that was a better go-to person. Mm-hmm. Interesting, man. I think you're hitting it. That's exactly – like, I love the the two big points. And I think the 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 money side of it, if, if it was explained, right, if it's truly explained to the athletes why and how, I think that would help as well. Totally. Um, and, and, and they, they try. I'm not saying, I'm like, I'm not here bashing the U.S. Heat team. They, they have so much 
going on. They try, they do. Um, but just more clarification and it's a lot of people that bring that clarification too. Um, and, uh, that role of yours to do that is, is, is so huge. And it's interesting you touch on, you know, athletes around 31st in the world, because that's what me and you sat at for a long time and, and the fundraising aspects of that. And it's interesting because I don't know if that can really change at, at an older age, you have to be producing on, on the, on the world cup for them. Um, but do you see, uh, do you see a, a role of trying to be able to bring in more connectivity between athletes that are just a touch out of the ski team, but are still our fastest skiers in the nation? You, you know, you mean to get funding? Yeah. Or, or more support. Um, and I think, so I think there's a couple different ways that we could potentially go about this. Um, one, obviously it would be great to, to raise more money. Um, it's about a $2 million deficit to cover all the athletes in all the different sports. Um, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you come up with that? That's going to be hard. Um, but, or, or do you take it from somewhere in the organization already? Like, so that's something that we have to like really dive into and understand, which I don't know. Like, I don't understand that part. There's a lot of money spent on sports science, um, but I don't know how much and I don't know how it's spent. So like, that's one thing. And then the other piece is that there's a lot of trustees that want to have these really good connections with the athletes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd like to do kind of like at the beginning is try to find, like try to break it up and be like, all right, so these are the, these are the guys and girls that need funding. Um, and these are the ones that, that are doing a good job. And, you know, it, maybe they need five, maybe they need 10 grand, maybe they need 20, like what, it, like something, something there. And then to go to the trustees and be like, all right, you know, do you want to get closer to athletes? This is how you can do it. Well, I think that's a great idea, and especially uh, you kind of facilitating that liaison position. I mean, and, and wouldn't it be advantageous for the athletes to want to be a little closer to those trustees? I would think, like, if you're kind of a guy that's maybe you're on the B team, not fully funded, you kind of wonder where where you might be in another year. I mean, it, if you had the opportunity to warm up to these guys, don't you think that would help your sustainability on the team as well? For sure it would, but sorry to cut you off, Warner, but <laughs> but for sure it would, and I think it does. Like if if the athlete is proactive, right? Um, like I know myself, I was able to to talk to these guys, and it's helped my career outside of ski racing. You know, kind of bridging bridging into retirement, and um, and I. But I think it needs to happen more because not every athlete is vocal to other people. Not every athlete is um, able to go to a gala and just shoot the shit mm-hmm. with some of these high end trustees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not in their skill set. But but then you you know, if you can help nurture a relationship for some, I think that helps. And and look, like the reason these people are trustees, the the men and women that are trustees, they care about the sport. Um and like they they want to have a better connection, I feel like. Absolutely, because and when you have that emotional tie it encourages them to want to support more of it. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And then the other thing is, is, is we all we all end up hanging them up at some point. Yeah. Um. And the more kind of connections you can have, uh, the the easier it is to to move on and try to figure out what else is out there. Mm -hmm. What about the the below national team level? What about the athlete development part of what USSA has to, you know, control and, and to to bring more superstars to the sport in future years? Have you thought about any of that and how how to help that side of uh, the communication? 
You know, I th- I think I think now that that Tiger's in there, I think it's he's being he has a much better um, kind of philosophy on the way like keeping kids um, at their home clubs and with their with their original coaches and creating opportunities for them to get pace, but to then go back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when this this USSA Academy first started, I I like was dumbfounded. I'm like, how how is this working? Like you're in competition with the clubs, right? Um, and so it kind of sounds. I I don't know this for sure, but it kind of sounds like um, that they want at least Tiger like wants the younger athletes to kind of stay at their home clubs longer, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, and I think that grassroots effort is imperative, and um, I'm really happy that that's what's happening. But we we, we also are having a trend with a, a much, much smaller number of skiers. A lot of people are dropping off. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we keep people still skiing? That's a tough one. Um, and so there's a lot of these things that we really have to think about. I think the biggest problem is how expensive the sport is. Um, and and then, frankly, like you have races like Kitzbühel, and you watch that, and you're like, wow, like I really hope my son gets to do that someday and blow out his knee. Like, come on. Like, that's... Like that's tough too. Like we got to make it safer. We got to make everybody happy about this. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, yeah. The cost right. of the sports tough in the U.S. because you know we're such a capitalistic society. I mean, you know, you go race in Europe and like any fist race is like what seventy five euros or like seventy five francs, and it includes your 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 lodging, your the race entry, and your meals. And it's just like every day you're racing in Europe only costs you 75 bucks. Whereas a U14. Your Europa and, Cup, you mean. Yeah, Europa. Yeah. Well, it's even at the fist level too. Um, but, <coughs> you know, if you're if you're like a U14 right now in Intermountain, I mean, that's it's like 150, 200 bucks a day. That just tr- to travel four hours away and, um, you know, race for a weekend. Interesting. Um, and... So I, these are things that we'll continue to try to understand, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I don't know the easy. There's that's a, that's yeah that's tough. I think <laughs> the sport is not getting any cheaper. No, but the the communication is key, and 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 communication between all the way from the U12 level of what the U.S. ski team, our governing body, is trying to do, all the way up to the Ted and Michaela's. Um, and, and grasping that for everyone in the organization and knowing where the direction is going and knowing why I think is, is a big part of it. Totally. Yeah, that's huge. What, uh, so what else, man? You got some, you got some other cool things going on. You told me this story about some lunches you've been doing. This is true. This is fun. Um, (laughs) Uh, I love having lunch. Food is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, no, but so when, when I was hanging them up uh, a year and a half ago, um, one of the trustees that was really helpful to me, Kip Nelson here yeah. in Sun Valley, who I'm staying with right now. Um, he's like, dude, seriously, like, what are you going to do? And I had no idea what to do next. Um, when you're an athlete, it's tough because you think that if you think about the future, or at least maybe this is just me, but it'd be interesting to hear your perspective. If you think about the future, you feel like you're not focusing enough on the present and when you're a struggling athlete, you have to focus on that so much. So you kind of feel like you're doing yourself a disservice by, by, by thinking about the future. So you don't think about the future. And then when the day hits you, you're like, oh, man, I wish I thought about the future. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's funny you say that because it's it's almost like uh, as an athlete for me, you know, end of last season, I was just terrified, terrified of life after ski racing and. I think for any athletes out there, it's it's not as hard as as I thought it was going to be. Let me give you a hug. Yeah, it let was good. A hug. It, it's Little just, hug. I'm just so glad that you're here, so you can actually give him a hug. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I guess my point is is that it's it, you're 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 dead on when you're an athlete. All you're trying to do is is you know for me it was ski race, ski as fast as I can, fundraise, blah blah blah, all the all the things that you have to do, and you're so focused on that. But at the same time, in the back of your brain, you're like, what am I going to do next? And, yeah. and what's my next path? And the thing is, is if you make the correct connections, it 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 it, it flows. It's okay. Like and, and the the drive you have from ski racing carries into carries into the rest of your life. So, um, it, it yeah, I, that's that was my perspective. No, no, you're you're totally right. And actually, one of the so the interesting thing is is uh, Kip's like, well, I didn't know what I was going to do, and he's like, all right, you have to have fifty lunches with interesting people, and by the end of it you'll know. So it has been an awesome process. I've had 44 lunches so far. Get out of town. Yeah, over the last, uh, like, kind of like 18 months. Um, I started, last year my first one was in New Zealand, um, The right after I, I quit, uh, retired, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it has been so cool to meet with interesting people. Uh, most of them are kind of like successful people and just to kind of understand what they're thinking about, understand what their, what their day-to-day life is like, understand the things they're focusing on and how they're reaching their goals. Wow. So for me, like I totally understand what, what makes you a good ski racer. Um, and now like it's kind of my chance to like get a new value system. Um, because you're, it's, it's scary. Like when you're done skiing, it's like, okay, like I can definitely coach cause I know this, but how do you break out of that and do something else if that's what you want to do? Like I have this like little, this little businessman in me somewhere that just really wants to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been super cool. The the lunches have been all about different transitions, and you learn that so many people go through these, and you have to reinvent yourself a number of times throughout your life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it's been super cool. Um, it's been really fun, and we talked about that. We talked about like timing of industries where you want to get into the industry at the right time. We've talked about how important it is to be with the right people and not necessarily picking an industry, but it's all about who you're working with. Another thing we kept talk, like, talk a lot about is different goals. And it's so funny because some people are like, I don't have any goals. And then some people are like, I have, I have big, gnarly, hairy, crazy goals. Um, but it's been such a cool experience to just understand what... And a lot of these people you've been talking to are, are pretty like, successful. Give us some correct? names here. Um, so, um, one, the last couple, one was with Dan Lever, another trustee, um, McDermott. Um, he was awesome. I actually had one with the president of Colby college the other day. I went to Colby, um, a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he was really interesting and he was all about strategic planning. He's like, look, the way this works is if, if you're just doing the day to day work, you're not doing your job. He's like, you have to, you have to pick goals and then keep coming back to them and make sure that you're driving in the right direction and look like new things come up and sometimes you have to change. But when something new comes up, you like evaluate it and you're like, okay, now I have a new goal. This is, we're going to go in this direction now. Mm -hmm. But he's like, look, it's so easy to get caught up in the day to day work and then never pick your head up and get to see like if you're going in the right direction. Yeah. 
Um, so there's been a ton of these. Actually, another really interesting one was with Eric Ryan, who started Method Soap. You guys familiar with Method, Method Soap? No. Um, I don't bathe too much. I don't. <laughs> um, this guy is awesome. He's like, look, I'm going to have four careers in my life. My first one was in advertising. My second one's an entrepreneur, which he's doing right now. My third one is going to be private equity. And my fourth one's going to be a professional sailor. Talk about reinvention of self, huh? <laughs> so cool. So cool. So you talk to these guys and you just under, understand so many different things. It's, so he was really neat. Um, and he's like, look, I, did all about, I was all about consumer trends when I was uh, in advertising. And then I was like, okay, like... For me to be an entrepreneur, I need to take these big consumer trends and move them into another industry. Um, so at the time, you know, he, he went down the soap aisle and he looked around. He's like, this is so boring. It's all like P&G. No, nothing's changed here in 50 years. And then they dig a little deeper and they realize everything's really toxic. So they're like, all right, we need to change this industry and we're going to bring in three trends that are happening. One is made in the USA. Two is is being um, all natural, and then three is really good design. So they brought that in. They got into Target. It exploded. They ended up selling for a stupid amount of money, and now he's on to his next one. Um, Which was remind us again. What was what's his next one? His next one is a company called Ollie. But after entrepreneurship, he was going into. So this was funny. This is funny. The way he described it, he's like, he's like, so first you're an athlete, then you're a coach, and then you're a sportscaster. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, yeah, you're. That's you're that's, like you're I going through this really fast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're like just bam, bam, bam. Yeah, you know, fast yeah. until you blow out. That's that's my style. But did I hear you? You might do some announcing. Yeah, I'm going to be. A, I'm, I'm announcing. Uh, in the finish line of U.S. Nationals, starting to announce can we, some more. Can we, for clarity, is it the is it the podcast that's really set this yeah. for you? Uh, set this up for you? Yeah, pieced off. Thank you, the listeners. Uh, it, it has it has uh, opened some doors for me. No so. one's called me. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, that's awesome. <laughs> I got my own things going. <laughs> that's not that's not awesome that no one's called you, but that's sorry, that's not awesome. Wow. Can you edit that part? <laughs> so what are you what are you doing uh what are you doing with these fifty lunches? Okay, so the the goal is to turn them into a book. Um I haven't really made that public, so um Is this gonna be a coffee table book? <laughs> no. I don't, I don't know, not really. No, no, I don't think so. It's kinda of more like a self help kind of book. Um and oh. it's real like it's you know, and if nothing else if if it doesn't get published and nobody cares, um, that's cool because I had an amazing experience and I, the journey of like learning these things has been really, really interesting. Think about it. You get done ski racing, you have no idea what you're going to do next and then you come out with a book. And that in itself is a pretty big accomplishment. And second of all, from this side of the desk here, all I see is New York Times bestseller on the top. Okay. <laughs> That would be a game changer. You could have a quote from Will Brandenburg on it, even saying, This book changed my life. <laughs> Can we get that in writing? <laughs> we have to drop some contracts on some, uh, on some cocktail napkins. Well, I'm just stoked that Pieced Off is his first publicity for it. You heard it first on Pieced Off. off. <laughs> that just happened. Like it's on Facebook. <laughs> Well, Warner, uh, your ride is so interesting. It, it, thank you so much for coming in here and, and, and enjoying this Peaced Off studio. We can't thank you enough, and hopefully you'll be on, on again. I am overjoyed to be here. <laughs> it is an honor and a privilege, and uh, it's just fun to hang out with you guys. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, being available. Long live ski racing. 
Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Peace Stuff with Will and Taco. Brought to you by FantasySkiRacer.com, Shred Optics, and SlyTech Protection. Like us on Facebook and find us on Instagram at, at Will and Taco. Have a great racing weekend, everyone.